Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. everybody and welcome to South Valley. We're going to come into the Lord's presence this morning and give him some praise. So wherever you are, we want you to come to your feet. Give God some praise. Raise your voices up. It's all right to give him praise in your house. Come on. I count on one thing. The same God who never fails. Will not fail me now. He won't fail me. convicted with our hearts and we will praise him in all circumstances. We're going to share a new song with you this morning. And if you were with us last Sunday on the front lawn, uh, you heard this song and we're going to put this into our rotation just because it speaks to the truths of the foundation of what we need to be able to do. We need to choose to worship God in all circumstances because he does not change. And when we worship him and we praise him, we know that our perspective can change and we do not dwell on the things that can bring us down, but we dwell on the goodness of who God is. So we're going to share this song. And if you know it, if you've heard it, sing along with us. I 
some noise at home. You should be feeling the Holy Spirit dwelling among you. going to do a work today. So let us go before the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise. We know that in all circumstances you are worthy of praise. So if there is something that is distracting us this morning that is causing us to not keep our eyes on you, we pray that you would cast that out. That you would help us to have our focus on you. Hear your voice as we look into your word, deliver a powerful message to our hearts, Lord, drawing us to you and reminding us of who you are, reminding that we have a purpose, that we have an opportunity to feel your love in our lives, Lord. I pray for every heart. I pray for hearts that may not know you, that they would hear your voice, 
And then you would draw them to you, Lord, in all circumstances. You would remind them and whisper to them that you love them and you created a way back to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. So we celebrate you today and we honor you and we thank you for an opportunity to sing and to give you praise. So we look forward to how you're going to move this morning. All honor and glory go to you, our Heavenly Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, hey, South Valley, what's going on? Coming at you from the Visalia Nothing Bunt Cakes parking lot. And you might be thinking, Marcus, what are you doing there? Let me tell you why I'm here. It's because my wife, who is seven months pregnant, when she makes a request for some Nothing Bunt Cakes to be a part of our drive-through shower that we're having this weekend, you make it happen, y'all. So I'm here and that's why. <laughs> so anyhow, I digress. Thank you so much for joining us for SVCC Online. We're so glad you're here. If you're new, we want to extend a special welcome to you. We're glad that you clicked start on this video, that you're here. You're here because the Lord wanted you to be. You're not here by mistake. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you can go online, svcclamore.org slash connect. Fill out that card that's there, that online card. We'd love to reach out to you, get to know you a little bit, and know how we can be able to come alongside you and support you in your walk with Christ. Also, whether or not you're new, we would love for you to download the Church Center app. Super great app, y'all. It just helps you take your next steps with Christ. Sign up for events, pre-register for check-in for children's ministry, request for prayer. Giving is available and super easy. So many different things that you can do with that. So make sure that you download that today and get that on your device and stay connected to what's going on at South Valley. Also, we're still having our Sunday morning worship services outdoor. Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., Children's Ministry is also running ages 3 through 6th grade. The Children's Ministry team, you guys, has been doing so much amazing work. I mean, that's just no surprise at all. They do an excellent job of ministering to kids. So come on out, you guys. Bring your chairs. Bring your, your, your blankets. We are... We, are, we have all the information available about the logistics, health guidelines, and how things work parking online at our website, sbcclamore.org, right on the homepage. So go check it out. Get all the information you need. Also, make sure, if you haven't done so, guys, follow Renewed Thrift Store on social media, whether it's Instagram, which is a brand new resurgence of that, and Facebook, which has been around for a while. We would love to have you go ahead and click like on both of those websites and stay connected y'all we had a dollar clothing sale one dollar that's not a typo one dollar clothing sale on all clothing items on friday and saturday this last weekend so you don't want to miss out on some great sales and just think in the in the, the midst of that awesomeness you guys you're helping to feed families in our community and that's such a blessing to them so come on over it's, uh it's renewed thrift store is right across the street from the church next to best buy 1115 west bush street can't miss it go to the social media for all the hours and all the information you need to know about that also celebrate recovery or in discussion about the regathering of that and so keep your eyes open for when we get that information out via announcements recovery ministry just in place to help support people with hurts happens in haymucks you guys so it's really really cool to be able to have the opportunity to minister with that in mind to help people to really assume this the role that the lord has in store for them and then finally, you guys, we just want to say that we love y'all. We're thankful that you're here. As you continue on in the service, we pray that it's a blessing for you. And as you give, for those of you who are South Valley family, we want to uh, just remind you that you can give your offering through the online website, svcclamore.org. You can uh, click on the donate button at the top or, or super easily on the Church Center app, you guys. So thank you for joining us. You guys are awesome. We pray that this service blesses your heart and moves you closer to Jesus. Have an amazing day. We'll catch y'all soon. Bye now. Hey, good morning, South Valley. My name is Thomas Curtis. And on behalf of our pastoral search team, I'm gonna spend a few moments updating you of where we are in the process. First off, I wanted to thank you guys for your support and your continued prayer. Thank you for the text messages and the calls letting us know that uh, you guys are praying for us. Uh, it really means the world to us. I want to let you guys know that we are still uh, constantly meeting in our continuous prayer, and, and we are still taking this process very, very seriously. And so thank you again for your love and support. And if you've been uh, seeing these updates, we've uh, interviewed multiple candidates, and we've narrowed it down to one, and we are in the final, final stages uh, with that one candidate. And so, prayerfully, the next update will be potentially letting you guys uh, know information about dates and times of a, of a candidate weekend where uh, the potential candidate can come here and preach 
and what things look like online. Uh, but until then, please keep the process in prayer, uh, the, the pastor and his family in prayer, the church, the leadership um, in our area in prayer, guys. And uh, until that time, um, look forward to connecting with you again, South Valley. I love you guys. Have a blessed and amazing Sunday. Well, good morning, South Valley, and thank you to John and the team and to Marcus and to Thomas, and a huge thank you also to uh, Sound and Light and Media Guys up in the top deck there. Every Thursday night when we record, they've been here since March uh, working with us and all that's happening with COVID, and we're just deeply appreciative of every volunteer that helps make this happen online as well as now also on a Sunday morning. Double duty. And uh, grateful for everybody digging deep and uh, giving up their time and serving Christ and seeing him glorified through all that they do. So very grateful for many people this morning. And uh, we keep praying for that next senior pastor that uh, as, the, as the team meet and pray and talk and interview with him, that uh, uh, God's will is done and that there's just a sense of excitement yet also a clear peace that this is of God and from God. So make sure you're praying because this is a spiritual battle and uh, it's prayer that will get this across the finish line. So join with us. Uh, we're in week number three of, this, of the uh, uh, sermon called uh, What's So Amazing About Grace? And uh, when it comes to the church that I would want to belong to, I have a core value. Uh, and I'll never, never compromise on this value. The church must be a church that lives out grace. And not just a church that sings about it or believes in it, but actually demonstrates it. You know, the world can almost do anything as well, if not better, than the church. You know, you don't need to be a Christian to build homes or to feed the hungry or to heal the sick. But there's only one thing that the world cannot do. It cannot offer grace. And this is the church's single most important contribution. The church stands before a grace-starved world, and it says, God's love is unconditional, and you can find it here among us. The church stands before people who everyone else counts out, maybe struck out by their mistakes or counted out because of their looks or, or they don't meet the standards or counted out because they were born on the wrong side of the street or born the wrong color or, or counted out because of their past. And the church stands before them and says, here's an amazing strawberry. Now that's last week's preach. God's unconditional love and His grace-filled mercy and forgiveness is here. Come and join the party. And talking about parties, uh, there's a story about a party that I just love. Uh, Tony Campolo is the guy who tells the story, and it involves himself. He was the chair of uh, sociology at Penn State, and then a Christian writer and prominent leader, and he was a traveling preacher. And uh, sadly, just now, Tony's actually uh, recovering from a pretty serious stroke, so he would value your prayers. But he tells the story of one time being in Hawaii to speak at a Christian event. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard deal, but, you know, some sucker's got to do it, you know. I, and he's from the East Coast, Philly. And he's in Honolulu physically, but his body clock is still on East Coast time. And he wakes up, as you do with jet lag, like at 3 o'clock in the morning, every morning. And so at 3 o'clock in the morning, he wouldn't go back to bed. He'd just go to this diner where he could get some coffee. And he's sitting there one morning at 3 a.m. And a group of women come in and they're sitting next to him. And it was pretty apparent that their profession they were ladies of the night, you know, prostitutes, eight or nine of them. And as they were talking, one of them that was sitting next to Tony mentioned that it was her birthday. And the other ones kind of scoffed like, what do you want me to do? You know, you want me to have a party for you or something? And she, she was just saying that it was her birthday the next day. And it was a woman named Agnes. And she said, I don't, I don't expect a party. 
Nobody has ever had a birthday party for me. And then, you know, within the next 20, 30 minutes, they'd all left. So Tony leans over and he asks the guy who's behind the counter, do they come in here every night? And the counterman said, yeah. So Tony said, well, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to come back tomorrow and I'd like to throw a birthday party for Agnes. So the guy at the counter said, well, okay. And he called to his wife and his wife came out of the back room and Tony says that they were all bright and smiley and hey, that's wonderful. And Agnes is one of those people, they said, who's really nice, but nobody does anything for her. So Tony says, well, look, if it's okay for you, I'll get back here tomorrow night uh, at about you know, 2.30 a.m., so really the morning, and, and I'll decorate the place and I'll even have a birthday cake. And Harry, the guy behind the counter, says, no, 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 you know, uh, the birthday cake is my thing. I'll make the cake. So at 2.30 a.m. the next morning, Tony was back at the diner with crepe paper decorations and a big piece of cardboard that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And Tony decorated that diner from one end to the other, and he had it looking good. And the woman who did the cooking must have gotten the word out on the street because by like 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. It was like wall-to-wall prostitutes. And Tony, a preacher... And at 3.30, 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swings open and in comes Agnes and her friends. And I had everybody ready, said Tony. It was kind of like I was, he was the MC. And when they came in, we all screamed, Happy birthday, Agnes! And never have I seen, says Tony, someone so flabbergasted, so stunned. Her mouth fell open, her legs buckled. Her friends grabbed her arms to steady her as she was led to sit in one of the stools and we all sang happy birthday to her. When we came to the end of the singing, happy birthday, dear Agnes, happy birthday to you, her eyes moistened. And when the birthday cake with all the candles on it was carried out, she lost it and she just began to sob and cry. And Harry gruffled and mumbled, blow out the candles, Agnes, come on, blow out the candles. If you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to have to blow out the candles. And after a few seconds, she did. And then Harry handed her the knife and said, cut the cake, Agnes, we all want some cake. And Agnes looked at the cake. And then, without taking her eyes off the cake, she slowly and softly said, look, Harry, is it okay with you if I keep the cake a little while? Is it all right if we don't eat it right away? And Harry kind of shrugged and said, sure, it's okay. If you want to keep the cake, keep the cake. Take it home if you want. Can I, she asked. And then looking at me, she said, I just left down the street a couple of doors. I'll take the cake and I'll be right back, I promise. And she lifted up the cake and carried out the cake and as if it was like the Holy Grail. And she walked towards the door. And Everybody in the room just stood there motionless. And when the door closed, there was this stunned silence in the place. No one else, no one knew what to do. And so Tony says, I broke the silence and I just said, hey, what do you say we pray? And (laughs) looking back on it now, Tony would tell you, it seems strange to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But then it just felt like the right thing to do. And so I prayed for Agnes and he prayed for her salvation and he prayed that her life would be changed and God would be good to her. And when Tony had finished praying, Harry leaned over the counter with a sense of like hostility in his voice. He said, hey, hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? And in one of those moments when just the right words come out, Tony said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And Harry waited a moment and then almost sneeringly said, No, you don't. No, you don't. There's not a church like that. If there was a church like that, I'd join it. I'd join that kind of church. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all love to join a church that throws birthday parties like that at three o'clock in the morning. Anyone who reads the New Testament will discover a Jesus who loved to shed grace 
on all the people who were left out. He invited people to join this amazing grace party. And the people that he invited were the sinners. Sinners loved him because he parted with them. And the lepers of society found in him someone who would eat and drink with them. And the Amharats, the the people in society who the religious and the middle and upper class had ignored, the migrants and the ones who didn't look like others, and, and the poor and the forgotten and the most vulnerable and the most unloved, those who felt like the biggest sinners, they're the ones that the church would welcome. That Jesus ate with. And the miracle, the remarkable is that the church, the people of God, became a people who were grace-saturated. And the church became a place where risky, scandalous grace would flow. I don't know where we got the other one that's so prim and so proper. I don't know where we got that one. Because that's not the church that Jesus came to build. So, this very moment as we continue in on our series, What's So Amazing About Grace, we're going to stop preaching and just for a few moments we're going to enjoy God's grace. And I'm going to do that by inviting you to eat communion. It's supremely a table of grace. Christ invites you. Eat of me and live. So, this morning we're going to take a few moments for communion. And if you're watching this online, then you're going to have to just hit the pause button at this point, okay? And you're going to have to run to the kitchen. And you're probably not prepared for this, but hopefully you can find like a piece of bread or a cracker or, or and, and you know, that there can be the bread. And, and then you're going to have to find something to drink and find a small glass and put some sort of juice in it, okay? And, uh, you know, the Baptist evangelical miracle has always been that we've taken the alcohol out of the communion wine so that really it's just only grape juice. Uh, but just something to drink. In fact, the New Testament doesn't tell us what's in the cup. I mean, I think because it's traced out of Passover, we, we imagine it to be wine, but, you know, it could be anything that's in the cup. You could even put water into the cup, you know? And in fact, we follow a Jesus who took water and turned it into wine, okay? So I go into your kitchen and just pause this for a moment and I go and get some cracker or a piece of bread and, and go and get a cup with some juice in it or whatever kind you can find, okay? And then bring it back to whoever you're watching this with or if you're just by yourself. And uh, I just want to lead you for a few minutes in communion. So, so there are several views of what happens at communion. For some, it's, it's a reminder of what happened 2,000 years ago. And so the bread speaks of his body and, and the cup speaks of his shed blood for the remission of sins. It's a memorial. It's a remembrance. Uh, theologically, that would be called the Swinglian view. For others, it's not just remembrance. There's, there's a strong belief that at this moment, there's, there's something holy and sacred happening. And, and, and at this moment, as you hold communion as the church spread around this community, Christ is more present, and His presence reminds us of His amazing grace. Now, that's the view I tend towards, and it's called consubstantiation. Christ is present within this moment in a unique way. And so this morning, whether you are more Zwinglian and it's a remembrance, or whether you're more like myself, and there's, there's a specialness here that uh, grace moves in a fresh and a new way, then, then, you know, I just want you to take your communion and freshly realize that it is by grace we've been saved. This is the verse that we quoted just a couple of weeks back in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So, so this cup that we drink and this bread that we eat, they're, they're signs of His salvation that we've received through faith because of His grace. It's scandalous. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and this is what makes communion miraculous and incredible. So just for a few moments in your home, by yourself, just pray and let, let me pray. And then 
Eat and drink whatever it is you can possibly eat and drink and remember that you're eating and drinking His grace that has brought you salvation through His death on a cross. So let's pray. Father, scattered around uh, Kings County and beyond California and beyond, as people watch together online, we're just taking whatever elements we can find to remind us of this amazing gift that you've given us of salvation. And I don't think it was by accident that Christ took everyday things, bread and, and a cup of wine, for us to remember His presence and His amazing grace. And so, uh, we take of the cracker of the bread and we take of the cup, and we eat it and we drink it, knowing that in some way your presence is great among us and we, and we know your Holy Spirit moving in our lives. And we again freshly experience your amazing grace. And we do that in the midst of a graceless society. And we do it recognizing that we're sinners saved by that same grace. So we seek your presence as we take of communion together. In Christ's name, amen. Well, you might be saying, if this grace is so amazing and if it's so free, then I'll, I'll just live as I want and I'll just keep going the way I'm going. God's, God's grace will cover over everything I get up to. I'll take the strawberry and I'll carry on living just the way I want to be. So, what I want to do this morning and for the last 15 minutes is I want to talk about that. And I need you to open up your Bibles to a chapter in the book of Romans, which is very powerful on this very topic. Romans chapter 6. You know, I, I believe, I preach it, that grace is radically scandalous and amazingly generous. But like the Apostle Paul, who also taught that grace was incredibly amazing, I know that some people could take grace too far, and grace can be abused. So, you might say, and this is what Paul says in chapter 6, verse 1, if, if me sinning causes more of God's grace to come, then whoopee, let's sin more so that God can give more opportunities to increase His grace. That's Romans chapter 6, verse Verse 1, and Paul writes that and says, uh, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And then he says, verse 2, by no means. Other translations might say, may it never be. Of course not. God forbid or no, no, no. And then for the rest of chapter 6, Paul tells us why this is not what grace leads us to. This is not the produce of grace, even scandalous, abundant, amazing grace. And I want to take chapter 6 and try to give you a concise summary of this powerful chapter. Listen in and learn something important, not just about grace, but also about baptism. Important enough that for some of you, by the end of this service, you might choose to get baptized. And we're going to have a baptismal service on our church campus on October the 4th. So firstly, look at verses 1 to 5. It's a matter of our identification, who a Christian really is. So let me read the first six verses, uh, first five verses. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. So, Paul says, we died to sin. 
Now, what does that mean? Well, well, it doesn't mean that a Christian is never tempted to sin or that we're incapable of sinning. Well, that's wrong. In fact, further on in chapter 6, verses 11, 12, 13, 14, Paul will talk about how we are capable of sinning. But Paul is using words to paint pictures, create imagery for us. We died to sin. When you became a Christian or when you become a Christian, when you receive God's grace, something changes in your relationship to sin. And the Apostle Paul says it's as dramatic as a change from life to death. Now, in the Bible, sin always leads to death. From Genesis, when they decided to eat of the fruit of the garden, you shall surely die. Right the way through to Revelation, the fate of the sinful is called the second death. In the Bible, death is sin's penalty. But in chapter 6 of Romans, Paul turns it on its head. Instead of a Christian being someone who sins and therefore receives the penalty of death, the Christian gives the death penalty to sin. Now, the Christian gives the death penalty to sin doesn't mean that we no longer sin, but it means that we no longer carry with us the condemnation or the guilt of sin. A Christian no longer lives with the death penalty due to sin on our shoulders. We are free. We are liberated. Sin is no longer our master. And what the Apostle Paul wants you to see is you are now in this relationship to sin, not because of what you've done, but because of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus who died. It was Jesus who was buried. It was Jesus who rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he announced the death penalty on sin. Sin did not kill Jesus. Jesus paid its penalty, and he did it once for all. You didn't beat sin. The Christian didn't slay sin. Jesus did. And on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection did it all. Now watch what Paul says. He takes the act of baptism and says, you were baptized into Christ Jesus. Baptism brings us into union with Christ and therefore brings us into the benefits of His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Your baptism visibly signifies and seals what Christ has done to sin that you can now know and experience. Through being baptized, we can live a new life. Why? Because at your baptism, something profound happens in your union with Christ. Now, your baptism does not save you. But most certainly, your baptism is a significant component of a larger experience of entering into saving union with Christ. It's more than a symbol. It's a spiritual action. We could call it a sacrament. So, in a couple of weeks' time, October the 4th, outside on the front lawn during our Sunday morning service, we're going to celebrate baptisms. And this is a moment for you who maybe you've never been baptized. And you need to think through, what is my union with Christ? What do I believe about his death and resurrection and me coming into the good of his death and resurrection and displaying that in baptism? Think about it and contact the church office. Email us or phone us and we'll get you ready for baptism on Sunday, October the 4th. So, the Apostle Paul begins to answer his questions of whether because of grace we just carry on living the way that we were sinning, 
so that God's grace will cover it? Or does something else happen? And the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. You don't just carry on sinning so that grace may abound. A true Christian has come into vital union with all that Christ has done through His blood, through His tears and His pain to deliver you from sin. A Christian lives positionally, legally, the other side of Christ's defeat of sin, but we live on the other side of it because Christ paid the cost of His life. So, if this is where we now live and stand, if this is now our identity, why would a Christian take grace and live so low a form of life? Rather, it should spur you to live as far away from sin as possible because you know the agony and the cost of your union with Christ. Now, Paul will talk more in chapter 6 about our union with Christ, and a major truth he will point out is that our union with Christ brings us into freedom. And now freedom, true freedom, is freedom from sin being your master. You see, here's the thing. Some people might be arguing, well, I'm free in Christ, so I'm free then to live as I want, do what I want. God's grace gives me this freedom, so I'll do what I want. And Paul takes his pen, and Paul writes and says, that's not freedom. Don't let the constantly sinning Christian who brags of their freedom and how this means they can live as they want, don't let that person cause you to think they're free and you trying to do God's life, God's life His way. Aren't, they're not free. Listen to what Paul says in verses 6 and 7, for we know that our old self, that's the person we used to be before we became followers of Christ. The old self was a slave to sin. And what the Apostle Paul's teaching is that if you play around with sin, if you do as much sinning as you want, thinking that God's grace will cover it, in truth, you've destroyed your freedom and you're back being a slave to sin. Look at verses 15, 16, 17, and 18. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Here's the flip. You can come to Christ and receive His grace, but if you habitually offer yourselves again to sin, you'll become its slave again. And being its slave leads to death. Perhaps not eternal death, but daily death, bondage, death and living. Now, the strawberry has not gone. But you can't keep hold of the strawberry any longer. Why? Because your hands are filled with your own plans, with your own wants, with your own desires, with your own ways. God's grace leads you to freedom but be careful what you do with that freedom, because if you use that freedom for your selfish wants, it might lead you right back to slavery and to death. Freedom is not to do whatever you want. Freedom is to live with Christ as a slave of righteousness. So, let's return to the person who says, hey, God's grace is there. I can take it and I can live as I want. Or let's come back again to the careless Christian who one day was aware of God's grace and His mercy and trusted Him for salvation, but really you've been living just like everybody else. The Bible says 
No, no, no. God's grace leads you into a union with Christ where you'll not want to live as you used to live. You'll not want to live settling for a lower life than Christ died to give you. You'll not want to settle for the petty enjoyment of sin when there is the thrill of a righteous God-possessed life. This is the work of grace. It frees you from the small goals to run after godly big dreams. It frees you from having sin as your master in all of its warped and destructive ways to having God and His righteousness as your master with all His holy ways. One leads to death and one leads to eternal life. You need both hands to hold God's strawberry, to take it and then keep on sinning Well, that necessitates you letting go of the strawberry to grab for the little crumbs on the roadside. For me, I'm holding on to that strawberry with both hands. Let's pray. Oh, God. Sometimes our mind can play funny games with us. Sometimes Satan's lies can be so enticing that here's God's grace and it's unconditional. Therefore, I can take it and live just as I want. And yet, year after year, generation after generation, that has just produced death, not life. And no wonder thousands of people walk away from Christ because they see Christians living just as bad as they're living. Grace, oh God, reminds us day in, day out of the cost that you paid through the death of your Son for us to have the amazing gift of salvation. And that should compel us to go after your way and your life. So move in us, God. Let us be ruthlessly honest with our desires and our habits. And let us be reckless living in grace that leads to a life that is amazing following you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, take care, folks, and I look forward to part four next Sunday. God bless.